Welcome back. For those of you who were here last week or have been here the last few weeks, we've been in the, in the middle of a series on the book of Psalms, where we're looking in these, these precious books of the Bible, um, chapters, and looking to meet God in the different seasons of our soul, these different places in our life. And last week, we had some guest speakers come, uh, Nick and Sheila Rowe. How many of you were here last week to hear Nick and Sheila? Wasn't that awesome? They, uh, they shared a real simple message, but they opened up a door for us, for many of us in the room. I had multiple conversations coming out of the sermon last, last week with people who were uh, able to enter into some of those places of pain in their life and really let God minister to them in ways that they hadn't in, in the past. Um, and it's true, right? We've, in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a specific area or a specific aspect of the Psalms called lament, uh, where we... Uh, we cry out, we repent, we plead with God for mercy in these areas, sometimes in the places of our sin, and that leads to repentance and healing and the effects of sin and the healing that comes through repentance. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but then we also talked last week just about the places of pain in our life. And that could come from sin, but a lot of times it's the unjust things that happen in our world. It's the circumstances that have gone on in our life that we have no control over. And uh, God, where is God in the midst of that journey? Where, is, where are you, God, in the midst of our pain and uh, that calling out and crying out to God to meet us there? So hopefully you've been able to do that a little bit this week, if that is your story and you've experienced God's presence in that place. We're going to stay in that, that, that theme a little bit, but... Look at it from a different angle. And, and you know, as we go through the Psalms, uh, I don't know if you've experienced this so far, and of course I've been preaching half the messages, but as I've been listening and preaching, the Psalms, uh, you know, every Psalm pretty much has, this, you know, has the same story. You know, there is a little bit of everything that we're talking about week to week that you could find in many of the Psalms that you've been reading. Um, and so it's going to feel like in this series where there's a lot of overlapping in messages, but there's a new nugget or a new place in which God wants us to focus. And we're going to do that this week. And we're going to focus on that season in our life called sickness. What does it look like to walk with God in the place of sickness? Um, and uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll deal a little bit more uh, in the area of mental illness or mental sickness and depression and discouragement and how that has an effect on our life. But this, this morning, primarily, if that's where you are dealing or if that's what God um, uh, brings you to, go there. You know? So if what I'm preaching about takes you to a place where you're, you're applying it to that place of mental struggle or, or the struggle of your soul and discouragement, it'll apply. But I'm going to specifically be talking this morning about sickness. And where is God in the midst of our sickness? Where is God in the midst of our suffering? Where is God in the midst of that pain? And what, what is he doing and what do we do as a response? And I'm going to share a little bit with you about my own life. I, 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 I don't know if you know this, but your pastor is crazy sometimes. I, I say things one day and the next day I go, I, I don't know why I said that. You know, or I didn't, I didn't really mean that. Not that I wasn't sincere when I said it, but then I get convicted and I, I come, end up being like on the other side of what I said. And you'll understand what I'm saying. But this, this week, the last few, couple of weeks, I have been talking to people in my circles, in my, my staff circle, uh, uh, in life group, uh, with my family. I've been, people will ask the question that they always ask you, how are you doing? And I will share with them what's going on in my life right now, right now what's been keep, has been a, a big part of my thinking, which is the personal sickness uh, trial that I've been in. And at staff meeting this week, I looked at everybody in the staff and said, hey, I want to share. We kind of went around the, the circle to share kind of what's going on in our life. I shared this and I said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, I don't want this to be my story. I'm tired of talking about it. I don't want my, the conversation of how you're doing to come around to what's going on in my physical body. I just want it to be about something else. And then as I was preparing the message this week, God said, remember what you said to the staff? I, that was wrong. I want you to tell the whole church about what's going on. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that. And he says, well, what have you been reading? 
He said, you've been reading in the Psalms, and who have you been reading about? David and these psalmists. And what's David been doing? He's been talking about how he's in trial, and how he's going through hardship, and how he's sick, and he goes on and on. It's like every psalm I read. How many of you have been reading the psalms this week? It's like every psalm I read. David's torn, pouring out his heart again. He's complaining. He says, yeah, and guess what? We've been reading about him for centuries. He's been telling his story forever. He says, you can do it this week. So your crazy pastor is going to tell a story because David's been telling his story, and I'm going to follow him. About 15 years ago, um, in my late 30s, I'm 51, and in my late 30s, so somewhere 13 to 15 years ago, I started to experience some stomach stuff. And it was the first time I'd been relatively healthy in my adult life, you know, flu here, a little common cold here, stubbed my toe there, but nothing super serious. And this stomach stuff wouldn't go away. And so I went to the doctor, went through some tests, and um, they decided to put me on some medication. Well, um, that medication um, was supposed to deal with my stomach, and it didn't actually really help my stomach, but then it, it had a side effect, and it started to uh, create some buzzing and some um, tremors in my body. It had a side effect that it, some people who take the drug, this is what happens to, the, happens to them. And I started to have tremors in my body that wouldn't go away during the day, and at, especially at night when I was still, still in bed, I could feel them more. It was, it was like my whole body was shaking all the time. So much so that at times my wife would, in the middle of the night, she would put her hand on me and she'd say, honey, you're shaking. And I'd be like, I know, I can't stop it. Don't, don't state the obvious, I'm suffering here. I can't do anything about it. That shaking, that 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 shaking and that, that, those physical tremors along with the stomach and the other things that came along with it for about a couple of years, uh, it was really serious for me, late 30s, early 40s. Um, so much so that I couldn't sleep. It, it caused a sleep problem. And I'll get back to my sleep issues later, but I, I, I was not sleeping. I was shaking. Um, uh, I had different head things that went on. And over the, the last... 15 years, I've been battling different things on and off. Sometimes God heals me. Sometimes they go away. Sometimes through medication and, and different, different, different things, some of the symptoms have gone. I've had times where I thought I was dying. I thought that I had some serious disease. I've had lots of tests. I have battled sickness. And mo- most recently, this summer, I found out that I have Barrett's esophagus, which is a byproduct of having gastritis and irritable bowel syndrome, and my, my, uh, my esophagus is not in a healthy place. And that that, if not left, if not treated, could um, lead to esophageal cancer. And when the doctor said this could lead to cancer, I was like, ooh, I've got something that they've diagnosed that could really be serious. And so they prescribed to me what it looks like to, to deal with that. It can't be physically healed by a doctor, but it can be mitigated through diet and medicine, etc. And so I went on, I changed my diet. Some of you have come up to me and said, wow, you look really different. You've lost a lot of weight. And I can say, yeah, I have. I've lost close to 15 pounds since July, not because I've been on a diet. Not because I've been on a diet to lose weight. Let me change that. I've been on a lifestyle change to deal with my sickness. I've had some things go away with medicine and get better. I've changed my lifestyle and eaten differently. I've managed my stress, and I think stress has something to do with what's been going on in my life. Um, I've been healed of certain things. The sleep issues that I had for a couple years are no longer my problem anymore. The tremors that that were in my body really dramatically are very slight in my body now. But I still, so I've had things that have gone away. I've had things that have been healed by medicine. I've had ways in which God, I feel like, has miraculously healed me and touched me. And I've had things on and off for years in my body that have not been healed. Did I mention that I have fasted for long seasons of time? I have prayed and I've called out to God for my healing. And in situations, he did not answer in the way that I wanted him to. Did I mention that I've had men and women of faith pray for me? I've had people that have greater faith than me, that have seen 
people healed and restored through their prayers. And I've had them pray for me. And there have been moments where I have experienced some slight healing, and there's been moments where I've experienced healing. And guess what? I've had men and women of prayer, of faith, who have seen other people healed pray for me, and I've not been healed. I've done numerous inventories of my life and my sin life and confessed my sin. I've asked the Lord, is there something sinful in my life that needs to be dealt with? I've gone on fast just for God to speak to me about my sin. God, is, it, is, it, is there something of, uh, that's in my life that's hindering me from God's healing? Anybody following with me? Anybody experience these journeys and these trials and these circumstances? If I had you raise your hand, I, I, in the first service, I said, how many of you have been sick? And I, had the whole, I thought that was a bad question. Who hasn't been sick? Who can relate to me? I've been sick. But I'm really talking about seasons of sickness. I'm talking about patterns of sickness or diseases or health issues that have lingered with you, lasted with you for more than a few days, but weeks, months, years. If I had you raise your hand, I'm not going to have you. If I ra- had you raise your hand for those of you who are presently in a season of sickness. My guess is that over half the room would raise their hand. We understand this. And then if I couple that with, yeah, you're sick, but you're really carrying somebody else's sickness and believing for somebody else's healing, the whole room would raise their hands. We understand this journey. We've prayed, we've wept, we've cried out to God, we've seen healing, we've seen the miraculous, and we've seen the unknown, we've seen those things not happen. Have I mentioned suffering? Sickness is suffering. Anybody who's been sick for a long time, you can relate to it as a place of suffering. Maybe a little bit of suffering for you. You've endured. For some of us who have pain associated with their sickness, who have, debil- have ways in which it causes you to change the way that you live, it's, it's, it's a bigger deal. Sickness is suffering. Nothing else assaults your faith your body, and your emotions like sickness, especially long-standing, possibly life-threatening sickness. And David in the Psalms knows this plight as well as any of us. He gives us, all who have dealt with sickness and all who have it, hope. He gives us companionship. He shows us companionship. He shows us the grace that we need as humans to connect with an all-loving and all-powerful and all-healing a good God. He understands. Look at Psalm 38. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me. Your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome. Because of my sinful folly, I'm bowed down and brought very low. All day long, I go about mourning. My back, it's filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I'm feeble. I'm utterly crushed, God. I groan in anguish of my heart. I believe that's how he wrote it. I don't believe he wrote it. You know, God, I have some back, back pain, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling really crushed in my bones right now. And I don't think he wrote it that way. I think he cried out. I think somebody who either was the scribe or if he wrote it in his own hand, if he wrote it in his hand, own hand, the letters started getting bigger, the ink started getting heavier, he was overwhelmed. And listen, he doesn't just write one psalm about it. If you're reading all 150, get ready. The guy knows how to pour out his heart on his suffering. For I'm about to fall and my pain is ever with me, Lord. Do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, God. Why does he say that? Because he feels far from God at times. Anybody ever felt far from God when your sickness and your pain is not being dealt with? Come quickly to help me, my Lord and my Savior. In his own place of emotional agony and physical assault, he calls out to the Lord, And the Lord hears him. Look at Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Anybody ever prayed that prayer? 
I mean, can we relate to him? God, I've, it's about time. It's enough. Do you see me? How long? God, I, I'm at the end of it. I'm at the end of what I feel like I can do to endure with good faith. I'm, I'm tried, God. I'm starting to be tried in even knowing or believing that you're there, God. How long? Oh, Lord. Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I'm worn out from groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard me weeping. The Lord has heard me cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Can you feel this turn in David's spirit? It happens almost every psalm. Not every psalm, but almost every psalm where he cries out in anguish. By the end, he finds hope in God. I believe it's because when we come near to God and let him know what's really going on, by the way, he already knows. But when we are honest with what's happening, he says, bring it on. Bring your anger on. Bring your hurt on. Bring your fear on. Bring it on because I understand and because I'm for you and I want to help you. And in the middle of our wrestling and our pouring out to God, God gets a hold of our hearts and we stop hearing our own voice speaking and we start hearing the voice of God speaking back to us. I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you. I can heal you. And if I don't heal you, I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. I understand your pain. I, I'm, I get it. I don't want you to suffer. I have compassion. I'm long-suffering. Hold on. I'm not going to let go of you. We start hearing the truth of who God is, and our spirit starts to get revived, and we start saying things differently. We start saying, but God, you're the only one I can hope for. Lord God, you are the merciful God. You hear my cry. And my enemies, those doubts, those fears, the literal enemies in my life, they have no power in my life, God, because you're in my life. And you are the one who's victorious. We start saying the very things that we hear God saying to us because we're in his presence. That doesn't happen when we pull away and we doubt and we don't go to him. It happens when we take all of our rawness and our realness and we say, God, this is who I am. This is what you got. What are you going to do with me? And God says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to heal you. You know what? Sometimes we just need somebody to hear us, don't we? There have been times when I am sick. In the middle of the night especially. The middle of the night's a lonely time. Especially when you're awake. And especially when you're sick. There have been times in the middle of the night where I just needed Laura to wake up. I put my hand on her and said, honey, wake up. She said, honey, what's wrong? I said, I just need to tell you that I'm not feeling good. I'm afraid or I'm angry or whatever. And she'll listen to me and she'll, she'll try to comfort me. And sometimes it works. But guess what? Sometimes when I wake her up and I ask her to help me, she really can't help me. Especially when she falls back to sleep. That's really insulting. When I, when I wake her up in the middle of my confession, she's already asleep again. But even when she hears me and she prays with me, there's, there's times where even what her words say are not enough for me. The only person who can get to the heart of what I'm feeling is God. And there's some times where I don't tap her. I just tap God first and say, God, I know I'm going to come to you anyway. God, will you help me? Will you meet me in that place of need? David knew this well, and he draws near to God. And when he does, he finds he's not alone, ever. You're not ever alone. No matter what circumstance you're going through, God is promising and has promised that he'll be with you. And if you draw near to him, the scripture says he'll draw near to you. He's not only our comforter, though, he's our healer. Amen? God is a healer. He can take our broken, vile, destructive life that is found in, in, on this earth, that sin and that sickness, and he can heal it. Isaiah the prophet spoke about this Messiah, this healer, who would heal both our souls from sin and death and our physical sickness. Surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, 
stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That first, that first verse, surely he took up our pain. The, the NIV in, um, translates it infirmities. And in the Hebrew, it actually means sickness. Sickness or disease, that word for pain. So surely he took up our sicknesses and bore our suffering. Fast forward to Jesus when he, he was here on the earth. And in Matthew 8, verse 16, it said, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, the one that we just read. He took up, what does it say there? Our infirmities and bore our diseases. Jesus came, the Messiah came, to make us whole. To make all of us, to, to heal all of us. To bring us restoration, both mind, body, spirit, soul. The way that He has created us, the fullness of our, our being, to be made whole in Him. And it starts with the healing of our soul. It starts, if, 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 if only one thing could happen to us as humans who have been created in God's image, who have been created for His pleasure, who have been created for fellowship with Him, if only one thing could happen by the work of God, by the power of God in our life, it would be that our prayer would be, God, heal my soul. Heal my soul from the sin that stains it, from the brokenness that enslaves it, from the death that haunts it. God, heal my soul. And Jesus said, I will. I do. By believing in me and the work and the life that I sacrificed for you on the cross, the punishment that brought you peace, Isaiah said, has been upon, put upon Jesus. That healing comes from Jesus. But I believe Isaiah and Matthew declare something fuller than that. He not only came to heal our soul, but he came to heal our bodies. He came to heal our spirits. He came to heal the whole of us and that he's the healer. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins, live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus provides healing in all these ways. Sin, death, disease, and sickness. That's why I think that story in Luke 5 is so significant. The story where Jesus is, is in a house and there's some friends who have a paralytic friend who's been, who needs healing. And they can't get to Jesus because there's so many cre- people around the door of the house. So they decide uh, he might go, he might leave, and our, our friend might not get healed. So they dig through the top of the roof of the house and they lower the paralytic into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus looks at this man, and what does he say? The first thing he says is, your sins are forgiven. Oh, that throws all the religious people in the room into a frenzy. What do you mean his sins are forgiven? First of all, this is crazy. What's going on here? But you're a nut, Jesus. You can't forgive somebody's sins. Only God can forgive somebody's sins. And of course, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, what he was saying. And he said, well, what's harder for me to Heal this man or to forgive him of his sins, but so you can believe that I am God, the one who can forgive sins, I will heal this man's body. Rise up and walk. What was he saying? What was he doing? He was bringing these two worlds together. He was saying, I am the Messiah, the prophesied one, the one that Isaiah talked about. I am the one that we're going to read about in a second from Psalm Psalm 103 that David prophesied about. I am the one that not only heals diseases, but I forgive sins. I not only heal the physical body that once it's healed a little bit later, it's going to die anyway. It's already going to go to the grave, but I can heal the soul that is eternal, that will never die. That person, that that person in you that is created to live forever, Jesus heals. Internally and externally. Our primary and ultimate healing is salvation, but God wants the wholeness of us to be healed. Back to Psalm, I just alluded to it. Look at Psalm 103. 
one of, one of our favorite psalms. Uh, if you've read psalms, if you've been walking with God for a little while, this is one that all of us just go, oh, Lord, I love this, this psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen? Isn't it great that we live with a God who does that? who defines our redemption as one that's being drawn out of a pit of of persecution, a pit of despair, a pit of being overwhelmed, and crowns us as he pulls us up with love and compassion. How all of us who have been sick physically and spiritually have loved to proclaim this truth and thank God for his promise. Yes, Lord, that's who you are. You are my healer. You are love and compassion. You care about me. Every part of my life, you satisfy me alone, and you receive glory. You heal spiritually, but you also heal physically. And we praise you. I want you to, I'm going to play an audio clip for you right now of, of a man. His name is Dwayne Miller, and he was a pastor. He was a teacher, and he came down with a debilitating disease that took um, away from him the ability to speak. He, his vocal cords were, were injured, and, and uh, he could not get his voice back. And he actually um, was able to talk raspily with an, uh, a breakthrough technology. And so after he lost his voice, he, he lost his job. I mean, he, he stopped. He couldn't preach. He couldn't be a preacher anymore. And then eventually he came back, and he began to teach Sunday school with this electronic device. And one morning, he was teaching out of this passage that we just read out of Psalm 103. Listen. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had and you have had in times past pit experiences. <laughs> We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment. I'm not quite sure what to say or do. I'm, uh, <laughs> sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> In the middle of preach, teaching on Psalm 103, God heals his voice. Right in the middle of him saying, I've rested on this passage of scripture. He's redeemed me from the pit. Thankful for his healing. His voice begins to get stronger and he got his voice back.
so David, he did. He ended up writing a book about it, and it's part of his story and his testimony, praising God for his healing. But um, David encourages us to do the same. He encourages us to thank God and to praise him when, he, when we've been healed. Look at Psalm 107. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Um, how many of you have been healed in the room this morning? You don't have to raise your hand, but you've, you've, you've experienced the healing of God in your soul, in your body. We need to be reminded that we're to give thanks. We're to praise God. We're to speak back to him and to others. God has been my healer. And we praise you. You've been merciful. You've been unfailing in your love and you've been good. And David does the same thing he asked us to do in Psalm 30. He says it this way. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise him. Praise him. God is our healer. Amen? Everybody give, Lord, give the Lord a praise. Thank you, God. You're our healer. Amen. Now the hard part. We don't always get healed. Or our healing doesn't happen in the way we want it to. Our healing doesn't happen in the timing that we want it to. Our, or healing doesn't happen to the people that we want God to heal. And it's especially hard when that doesn't happen, when we see others who are well, who are healed. I can tell you that when I was having sleep issues for those couple of years, I thought I was going crazy. Anybody ever had sleep problems? It is maddening. You, you can't think straight. You're irritable. I'm not going to proclaim this on you. I could not think straight. I was irritable. I was judgmental. I, it did not bring out the godly parts of me. I would be driving down the road, and there would just be people walking down the road, and I would look at them and go, she's getting sleep. He's sleeping. I bet you he got a full night's rest. And I would get angry, and I would get judgmental, like, God, how dare them sleep when I'm not sleeping? I mean, I'm not joking. There was... There was Slight cursing in my heart. It's especially hard when you're seeing others that have what you don't have. And even harder, it's one thing for a brother or sister in the Lord to be in a place of sickness or hardship and God heals them or brings them out of it and I'm still suffering. I can, in some ways, I can embrace that because it's family. At least somebody's getting help is what I feel. Even harder when it's people that are having prosperous healthy lives that don't even believe in God, that don't even give God any credit, that, that thumb their nose at God, that curse God. David, or actually the psalmist um, uh, Asaph alluded to this. Listen to Asaph say, say it in his way. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not even plagued by human ills. Now, is he even telling the truth? No. Of course they had problems. But they looked like they had a much better life than he did. And they didn't even believe in God. And he found himself cursing and comparing and struggling with his own place of suffering when others were not suffering like him. And, but then at the end, he says this. He returns to God's goodness. He says, yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom, am I, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
What do I have? If I look to other people's uh, successes or if I look to other people's health and wholeness and it's not what I'm possessing in my physical body right now, does it do me any good, any good looking over there or looking at the person who's walking down the street? The only help I have for my sanity and my encouragement is looking to God. And when I do, as this psalmist did, I find God's hope and encouragement in my soul. David understood. We've already read some of the things about his own life, but sometimes when other people in our life suffer, it's even harder. You remember the story of David? He, he committed an, a, 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 an egregious sin of adultery, and he was abetting in murder of, of his lover's husband. He gets rebuked by the prophet. He repents. He declares that what he has done is wrong. And then after he repents, God says, because of your sin, your baby is going to die. Right? And so Bathsheba has a son. And sure enough, he gets sick. And David response to that proclamation is, maybe God will be merciful. And so he fasts with sackcloth and ashes. He wails. He grieves. He calls out to God. He begs God to give his, the, not to take the life of his son. And eight days later, his son dies. After his son dies, he gets up. He, he cleans himself off. He, he bathes. He puts on oil, oils his body, and he moves on with his, his life. And the people around him, um, excuse me, I lost my place here. The people around him are like, David, what's going on? You're not, you're not acting right. Your son's just died. And he says in verse two, 23, he says this. While the child was still, was still alive, I fasted and I wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let this child live. Who knows that the Lord may be gracious to me and let this child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? Will I go to him? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. I, I, share, this, I share this passage to say that David understood the suffering in his own body. He understood the loss of somebody else that was dear to him, his son. And yet his response, his, his nature was to go back into the presence of God, was to press in to who God was, to ask for mercy when he didn't receive the mercy or the answer that he wanted to, get, to go back into God's presence, to move on with God. But in the midst of that, he asked, and I'm sure that we ask when these kind of situations happen, God, why? Why do you not heal all the time? Why do you allow us to suffer? Why do you not come to our rescue in the right time for us? Why are you not quick to heal? Why? Why? Why, God, do you not heal? And why, God, does sometimes those who love you passionately die? The ultimate effect of sickness, death. And I think that we have to wrestle with the truth that God's greatest desire for us on earth is for us to know him. And for others to know him. And we are intertwined in our lives. Our life affects other people's lives, and sometimes our healing brings glory to God, and sometimes our walking with Him and suffering brings glory to God, but our theology of God has to be big enough in this room for the person who has lost a loved one, to the person who just got healed miraculously, to the people who are wrestling with their sickness day in and day out, to the people that have been delivered, that God is in the midst of all of those stories. And the God who is in the midst of those stories is a healer. He's a God of hope. He's a God of salvation. He's a God who restores, and we can trust in Him. Amen? His greatest goal pastor um, um, said in his book, The Word and Power Church, Bannister, he says this, God's greatest goal for us is, not, is, is that we might know him. He may spare us pain so, we, so that we might know the mercy of his favor, and we call that healing. He may walk with us through pain so that we might know the fellowship of his sufferings. His goal in both is the same, our knowing him. And he wants others to know him. And sometimes he uses our sickness to make himself known. Sometimes through healing, sometimes through suffering. 
We don't like to wait. We don't like to suffer as humans. And God does not like for us to suffer. I just want you to know that. He doesn't like sickness. But sometimes because we live in a broken world, he allows us to suffer to know him better. And he allows us to suffer for the sake of others. There's nothing more encouraging when I'm suffering than to have somebody beside me or ahead of me who has endured pain and suffering and held on to Jesus. They're my anchor. They're my hope. And then there's sometimes where somebody who's been healed is my encouragement. Oh, God, you could heal me. I need them both, don't you? I need to know that there's joy in life and hope in my trial that is not ending yet and that there is hope in life and possibility that it could end on this side of heaven. In both of those realities, draw me closer to God. Here on earth, we have both. We have healing and suffering, and God works in all of it to bring glory to himself, to reveal himself, and to bring salvation to all who believe. So we keep on asking God, but what are you doing in my sickness? Why aren't you healing me? And I want you to know, I don't know why he's not healing me. I just don't. I don't even know in my own body and life what he's doing half the time. Why is he not healing me? Is it my sin? Is it your sin? It could be. It could be, right? The scripture says that sometimes sin, David, we just read almost every one of his Psalms talks about he's confessing his sin and his sickness together. But even in the New Testament, Paul, when he was talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11, and they were having some people sick and dying around them, he says, you know why they're sick and dying? Because when you guys come together, there's sin in your church. There's judgment. There's comparison. You're not taking the Lord's Supper in a holy and reverent way. And he says in verse 30 of chapter 11, that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Even James, when he talks about, he encourages us to ask, is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. They're connected sometimes. Are they always connected? No. Are they usually connected that way? Probably not. But there are times where God is allowing us to suffer in our sickness so that we will be awakened to the sin in our life that needs to be repented of. Not to condemn us. He never wants to condemn us, but to free us. There have been times in my sickness where I felt like the Lord said, do an inventory of your own personal life. Get right in some areas in your life, church. And then again, it's not always that. I think the if in that statement says, if it is sin, your sins will be forgiven. Another example of it not being about sickness, I mean not about sin, is John 9. Remember this story? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. It was customary for them to think if someone's sick, it's because of a sin in somebody's life. And what did Jesus say? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened, his blindness, so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. Now that's interesting. That gives us another aspect into our God. This, this person was blind for however many years into his adult life. I'm sure he asked every day, would you heal me? He suffered. And why was he blind? Jesus said he was blind so that at this moment in his life, he would be healed. And that healing, we assume and believe, would give glory to Jesus and bring others into a, a believing faith in who this Messiah was. Could it be that the timing of our healing in our life is because God is doing something beyond just wanting to honor our prayer to heal us. He's wanting to do something bigger. Is it our lack of faith that we're not healed? Could be. Could be. Jesus said, in, uh, said this about his hometown. He came to it, and he began to teach the people in the synagogues, and they were amazed, and then they started talking about him. Where did this man get this wisdom and this miraculous powers? This little Jesus. You know Jesus and Mary. It's Mary and, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Yeah, that's that Jesus. Aren't all his sisters with us? 
We know this. You hear what they're saying? It's, this is Jesus. It's that little boy that used to run around. He's just one of us. Where does this man get all these things? And they took offense at him for claiming to be the Messiah and claiming to be healed. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And look at 58. And he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. There are times when God's wanting to stir our faith. There's times when he's wanting to bring faith into the environment of a place like a church or a, a life group or whatever, that there's a, there's, there's a faith element that is waiting for healing to happen. I don't feel condemned by that. I've had, I, if, 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 if I, I will say, God, is it my sin? Check. Is it my faith? Check. Whatever it is, just let me know. God, if I'm not believing in the, I, I love to be around people who have faith for healing, don't you? I love to be around David Pucci. David Pucci believes in healing. If I want to at least get in the realm of faith for healing, I'm going to go to David Pucci. Pray for me. David's prayed for me. I've been healed sometimes in some little things. He's prayed for me in other things, and I haven't been healed. But sometimes being around a person of faith puts faith in my heart to believe. And sometimes that faith is what God is looking at. But not always. Is it his timing? Possibly. We looked at that in the story above. Charlie and Mary Lou Halley have a story of a friend. They used to be here on our staff. Charlie did. And they tell a story of a friend of theirs who in, her, in the 70s, in the 1970s, she had a child. And it was a complicated child where she needed a, needed a blood transfusion. And when she got the blood transfusion, that blood was tainted and she, she was given hepatitis C. That virus stayed in her body without her knowing it for 30 years. And 30 years later, she discovered that she had hepatitis C and her liver was attacked. And she had two liver transplants and she suffered physical pain and disease in her body for physically for nine years. And then after the ninth year, somewhere in that ninth year, God healed her. I don't know. But there had to be a reason in God's heart why he took that situation and turned it into a place of healing nine years after she started surfacing the symptoms. For his glory, for his purposes. Is it because I'm not getting healed because he's doing something in me for others that is far greater than physical healing for me and he's allowing me to suffer? Maybe. I don't know. Paul seemed to understand it that way. Paul was almost killed. He, he had a thorn in his flesh that some believe was a physical sickness. He, he experienced travail and trial. He had all kinds of physical ailments and situations going on in his body, and yet he could pray through all of that. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to participate with him in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain that resurrection life that Jesus has. That resurrection from the dead. Paul understood that sometimes the place of abiding with Jesus and fellowshipping with him only comes through suffering. And he said, God, I want that. Now, I can't say I'm as godly as Paul. I know that if Jesus came to me today with my physical sicknesses and said, I tell you what, Sean, I'll heal you today or we can have some real intimate fellowship today. I'd go, you know what, Jesus, why don't you go ahead and heal me today? We'll fellowship tomorrow. You know, I'm going to be with you forever. I'll take the healing today, if I'm real honest. But there is a place in journeying with Jesus that only happens through suffering, and sometimes it's for our own good. And how many of you know, and I've already mentioned this, how good it is when somebody else is exhibiting a friendship with Jesus and hope through their suffering that it inspires us to live the same. Sometimes it's one of these reasons, sometimes it's another. I don't know. He does. I'm not the healer. But this is one thing I do know. Healing or no healing, my hope and my trust, my confidence has to be in God, has to be in Him. I will go to Him with my prayers. I'll go to Him with my hopes. I'll go to Him with my pains. I'll go to Him to my, with my sickness. If He heals me, praise the Lord. If He doesn't heal me, praise the Lord because He's my God. There's no other place I can go. God is our go-to. We can take our sickness to Him. He will heal Maybe now, maybe later, maybe in this world or the ultimate healing in the next, but he will heal us and he will be with us. 
If we have God, we can hope in him. We can be sustained by him. We can be comforted by him. We can be healed by him. David knew this. The psalmist knew this. Do you and I know this? Christopher, why don't you come on up? At the beginning of, of the service, and I don't know if all of you were here, but we sang a song called Come As You Are. When I was pulling this sermon together, this when I, well, actually this week, I, actually, I don't even think I was thinking about the sermon, but I was, I was in my times with the Lord, and um, this chorus came to my mind. And as this chorus came to my mind, I thought, God, this is for this Sunday. This, I feel like this is what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to, for us to lay down our burdens. And then um, I... This morning I came up to, and I looked at the verses, and, and especially in the, the end of the first verse, this phrase stuck out with me, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. I said, Christopher, we need to, it was on the front of the set, I said, you need to put it on the back of the set too, we need to respond to that. And then as we were praying this morning, getting ready for the service, as our musicians and different band members were coming in, we were at the close of our time of prayer, and I said, is there anything else that God's speaking? Is there anything else you want to share? And Joe, the guitar player, who had not been with me and Chris when I was talking, he had no idea, you know, that we'd had that conversation or that I had this interaction with God. He said, well, you know, the phrase from this song, come as you are, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal, comes to mind. I think God really wants to use that phrase this morning. So I want you to stand up. I think God wants to speak to us, and we, we have a couple of minutes, and of course, in, 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 in five minutes, if you're a parent, you can go get your kids, but I, I want us to enter into a place of coming to God as you are. I want you to be able to lay down your burdens. I want you to know that there is no pain or no suffering on this earth. There's no sorrow that heaven can't heal, that God can't heal. And I especially want to give an invitation to you, those of you who are sick, that are in a season of sickness, or you're walking with somebody in a season of sickness. We had, we had the whole front row, front part of our church responding this morning, because that's where a lot of us are. And I want us to be able to call out with one, to one another. I want you to be heard. I want us to pray for healing. I want, you to, I want us to pray for God to be in the midst of your suffering and your sickness. Amen? So if that's you, come forward. If you are a staff person or somebody who would like to pray with other people, come and pray for people as they come forward. Let's allow God to meet us where we are.